mature audience history podcast, Dark Histories, True Crime, Salacious Stories by historians for your R-rated educational intellect. This is Grim. Esoteric and secret sex, orgy, and naked ritual bacchanalia-inspired sex ceremony in mock Christianity with the ambiance of hell. All around the interior of underground caverns, under a chapel, and with the caves to even appear monastic. These are rich motherfucking lords. This place had been decked out with Benjamin Franklin at the center. Hot scalphane smeared young ladies. Ladies of the night in mock nun attire. Like that really sexy stuff you want to wear for Halloween. Are the rumors that have circulated about the Dashwood estate and its hellfire caves. But it's a secret. So what do we know about it? Benjamin Franklin and Sir Francis Dashwood were friends. We know that he stayed there for long periods of time on the Dashwood estate, often as his guest and is widely assumed that as Dashwood's 10 years of hellfire activities before becoming the exchequer of the empire coincided with Franklin and other notables staying there long stays and friendships with Sir Francis there. It is commonly held that Benjamin Franklin, Philadelphia's favorite son, the printing tycoon Silver Tongue Silver Fox, was in the heart of all of the action. Join your Grim Philly historian friends as we investigate for you the validity of these claims of all of this fun <laughs> of what we know and what we don't and what we can surmise of Francis Dashwood and indeed Grim Philly's very own Benjamin Franklin in the secret. Wait, wait, but it's a secret. Hellfire caves. You're listening to grim, explicit histories, grim topics, extreme, dark histories, folklore, and the paranormal for mature audiences. We keep it real. We keep it educational, thought-provoking, like a motherfucker. I'm Joe Woji, and this is grim. Dark histories, true crime for mature audiences. You're listening to Grim. Secret societies, Masons, and the Hellfire Club. Benjamin Franklin wrote the bylaws for the Masonic Lodge in Philadelphia and initiated Voltaire into the Masonic Lodge in Paris. He stayed often as a guest at the Dashwood Estate and joined Sir Francis Dashwood in pagan debauchery in the man-made hellfire caves in West Wickham, orgy, drink, 
pagan-esque ritual with parliamentarians and lords. John Montague, John Wilkes, and others helped form useful connections. And it was fun. Myself, professor of world history at Ryder University, Joe Woji, today joined, as always, by celebrity historian Brittany Smith, our own dark minister, historian Ted Sisko, joining today also Tony Levitt, Benjamin Franklin's life was a wild ride, one filled with success and intrigue, love and amore, with heartbreak, disappointment with intellect, industry, hope, and rituals to summon demons from hell in the Hellfire Caves. In Grimm's founding father, Benjamin Franklin, documentary story conclusion. We hope you'll join. Thank you so so much for listening. It arrived over in the States early on, 1715. John Moore was collector of the Port of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and he made the first known reference in a diary entry hmm. to the Freemasonry. I have the same. Obviously, it spread. Hitler didn't like him very much. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's a World War II. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah. During the American Revolution, there was a crisis even within the different chapters. Loyalty crisis, whether up. or not, yeah, whether they were going to stay loyal to the Grand Lodge over in England, whether they were going to have more local control here in the States. So that went back and forth. And apparently that was a fight between the ancients and the modernists. But the modernists were more with England. Ancients were more. That's weird. Ameri- yeah, think- that's at least what I read. The ancients won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From what I read, people that were Masonic in America and back across the pond, they didn't stop talking to each other they stayed brothers but there was a question of what do we do like you know? well technically yeah. i mean the masons aren't it's nothing the revolution would have nothing to do with them technically i mean well just... apparently there was a question of whether or not you would answer <clears throat> only to the grand lodge that was over oh i got you in england or whether there'd be more direct control within the lodges here within the united states and so that's where the kind of the issues came into play because whether or not you would be subservient to the ones abroad or just here and so it kind of broke along similar lines i thought you meant politically speaking no but yeah sense yeah. But there were a lot of influential men that were Masons, that Freemasons sure. and Masons. I did read that their meetings would have discussions about where the government should go. I don't think it was totally non-political. Oh, no, 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 no. But it I was mean, definitely political. It was powerful. When men. it started back up in London, they would meet in cafes, they would meet in bars, and it was powerful people. And they were fraternities. They were guys that would drink either coffee or beer and have dinners. It was like dinner clubs. And there were a bunch of secret societies that Hellfire Club springs out of this, so do the Masons, but the Hellfire Club becomes much more like blasphemous. Even though a bunch of its members are Masons at the same time, it's very in vogue to do that sort of thing because it shows like, and and all these other secret societies too, like the Hellfire Club, which we're going to talk even more about, they'll have their secret words and handshakes and gestures and things. And it's like an inside thing, like, oh, I'm in a cool, trendy, rich boys club and I have powerful friends. Nah, 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 nah. I'm in it and you're not. Like, I'm in a secret society makes me feel fucking cool but they were cool and trendy for rich powerful people and they would join during their university years like in oxford or cambridge especially but other ones as well a lot of them began at the goose and gridiron which was a inn in london and that's where the masons the modern masons kind of formed again they started the reform out of four lodges when they combined but to talk about some of the other masons that we had like 15 presidents of the united states were and once you joined you had to pass 
us an initiation. So I think a lot of the controversy with the Masons is the fact that you have to be initiated like a fraternity. And it's secret. It's not a secret that they exist. It's a secret, something that they do, and the ritualistic process of initiation. Well, Ben Franklin was initiated into the Freemasons in 1730 or 1731 in St. John's Lodge. And it's interesting because before he was initiated, he had a couple of different articles where he was- He spoke out against it. He was mocking. He was mocking the Freemasons. And then, of course, after he's initiated in either 1730 or 1731, he becomes very praiseworthy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, wait, this is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. He has a history of doing that, though. He spoke out against inoculation, and then he was a big believer in inoculation. Well, his son died. Yeah, but I mean, before his son died, he was still a believer, but there was something that changed. He was an anti-vaxxer. He was at first. (laughs) Then he changed. Yeah, and he became a very big. But he didn't save his son. He didn't change soon enough. (laughs) Well, that's where the argue was, because whether he wanted to or whether it was Deborah. He quickly rose up the ranks. 1732, junior warden. 1734, he was a grandmaster here of the Pennsylvania Lodge. In 1735, he became secretary. Was he a co-founder of the lodge here in Philadelphia? I I don't think he founded it. He wrote the bylaws. So he published the Constitutions of the Freemasons, which was the first Masonic book printed in the United States, but it was a reprint of Anderson's Constitutions from over in England. But I don't think he founded the Freemasons of Philadelphia. Like, he was initiated in. Yeah. That's if he was initiated, he wasn't a founder. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. But I didn't see in the articles that he okay. was like. So Across. 1715 is when I have it was founded here. He would have been yeah, too seven, young. Yeah, I have 1717 at the Goose and Gridiron in London. Yeah. Four of the lodges combined. And that's when modern Freemasonry sort of like resumed because it, like we were saying, it goes back to Hiram Abiff and Solomon's Temple, at least in theory. Mm-hmm. They met at the Free Quaker Meeting House. Independence Hall, two different halls on Chestnut Street. But before, later in the 1800s, they decided to build the lodge that most Philadelphians are familiar with, Twin City Hall. That yeah, anybody yeah. who I've hasn't been there should take a tour. That's a pretty it's cool massive. place to go see. So you can take a tour, but you can't go yeah. in certain areas. Of yeah, the I mean, it's a guided tour. Yeah, so they yeah. don't just let you just. No, no, you don't but want But it's still to, but. pretty cool to go inside yeah. on that guided tour. So the yeah. Yeah. Lodge meets. Yeah. My friend's amazing. Renaissance He gets to go over there. Join too. They just don't advertise. You have to ask them. So they send somebody to visit your house. They have to like go to your house to see how you live to make sure that you're cool and yeah. somebody that they want to be amazing but they're supposed to have been like you have to believe in it, god too and i'm not i mean i'm there on that one you have to believe in a supreme being yes. not god not god and, and the g in the middle like, i thought you had to be a christian either no, you don't have to be it's debatable it's either geometry or, or god. god and they do give you a bible and there are branches that are like Nah, fuck this shit. There's all this Christianity and this bullshit now. Let's get back to the Bacchanalia. It was the Bacchus secret society. There's a branch in New Orleans that has broken off and said, no, fuck this Christianity bullshit. That's not how it started. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to like Bacchus and shit. And they went back to Bacchus, which is kind of what Francis Dashwood did. Yeah. Bacchus and Venus. Well, before mm-hmm. we jump off to Francis. We're not there yet. Yeah, because I wanted to mention too, in 1799, the British Parliament passed the Unlawful Societies Act. And in Interestingly, the Masons were exempt because a lot of the parliamentarians were Masons. (laughs) They were were like, any secret oaths and allegiances, you can't have that shit. It's contradictory to what we want. But the Masons is cool. You could just, you know, the biggest one is totally fine because we're all in that. (laughs) They also had to believe your soul was immortal. Oh, really? But Voltaire got in. Franklin got Voltaire in. And Voltaire wrote like, he fucking hated the church. Yeah. Hated them. I guess he had a- church likes Freemasons. He had to. 
the, they don't because the Pope put out decrees against yeah. them like right away too. You're not supposed to be. Not supposed oh, they to be welcome Catholics, but the Catholic Church denounced. I mean, you can't be Catholic and be a Mason. That's why the Knights of Columbus were yeah. formed mm-hmm. for people right. who wanted to who be wa- Masons. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be in a secret society, but the, here's the Knights of Columbus. Go have picnics there. Ben Franklin. So obviously he was here in Philadelphia and the Pennsylvania Lodge. He was obviously a big player, but he also visited the lodge up in Boston when he went home the one time to visit some of his family there. And then he also visited different lodges over in Europe. In 1760 in England, he visited one or two of the lodges over there. And then he visited several when he was in France. He was elected to a position in one of the Paris lodges in 1777. And like Joe said, he assisted in Voltaire's initiation into one of the lodges over there in France. Sisters Lodge. Mozart was a member too and wrote, as well as Beethoven, music for Franklin's Glass Harmonica. Interesting. The Harmonica, right? That's what it was the called? Harmonica. Harmonica. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought Apparently it was a harmonica. Was, no, harmonica. No, oh, harmonica. Really? Yeah. It's, yep. glass. it's fucking huge. It's like if you bought like a king-size bed and it would fill up your... It would be like the largest piece of furniture in the room. Like yeah. that's how big that fucker is. Yeah. yeah. He apparently was super proud of it. Franklin wrote that the musical instrument, the harmonica, was one of his inventions that brought him the greatest satisfaction. He was pretty proud it's of it. Well, you know, it, it's interesting he it's was huge. musical because so was his sister. He played the fucking guitar, right? He, he yeah. wrote, his sister was also he had not. He had like eight talented. songs he wrote on the guitar, right. which is fucking weird. I can't picture like Ben Franklin, although he's got long hair, like just rocking out. (laughs) He's like an 80s hair band. (laughs) Glass armor. Of course, his sister was Aretha. Uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah, so he... That's one thing he had in Charles Manson. Both of them were musicians. Him and Ben Franklin. You You know, know I listened to some of his music. Random connection, I know. I was just thinking of him like, hmm, Charles Manson would jam out together. He'd have problems with his morality. (laughs) (laughs) Who, Manson or Franklin? Franklin. (laughs) Joe, do you have a pinky ring from the... You have a Mason's ring? No, I don't. You didn't get that He was only in there for like... I was in there for 12 seconds. No. (laughs) (laughs) Because they wear their ring on their pinky fingers. You got to buy those, though. Oh, oh, yeah. And I wasn't all about buying it because I was in there for 12 seconds. (laughs) Right. I didn't know anything <laughs> i subscribe to theory of groucho marx i don't want to belong to any club that would have me as a member yeah. so <laughs> <That's> that, yes <laughs> Well, if you guys watch National Treasure, oh jeez, <laughs> historically the, accurate. The guy at the totally. end when Nicolas Cage gets busted trying to steal shit, his Mason's pinky ring on his finger. Well, you're only trying to steal this shit, so I won't bust you. <laughs> you're doing it for a good cause. Do you know that many people that come on tours, if I ask them if they've taken any kind of history tour, or you know what they're kind of casually what they're what they're doing, what they're doing, and history interests them, whatever, and they go, "Oh yeah, I know National about Treasure. this because we watch National yeah. Treasure." Mm-hmm. I sent yeah. you guys the link. There were what like yeah. over a hundred inaccuracies in national yeah, treasure right. i mean they were really nitpicking yeah they were <laughs> you know, but i mean for as a philadelphian i i watched the movie and some of the shit that they were nitpicking on like they wouldn't have even got this because they weren't from philly but as far as watching national treasure goes when they're running around the streets they just run around all the cool best parts of philly yeah. uh-huh. that look neat because they run alongside of independence hall and then they like round the corner yeah and then bam they pop up in like the reading terminal market and then they pop it's city hall and it's like where the hell then they yeah it's like 10 blocks away yeah, yeah. they run around the running terminal market and then they go out the door and then they pop up over in Headhouse Square which is like a fucking mile and a half away. Yeah. It's just all the coolest look at I'm cool with it though. You know, it was just all the coolest shit in Philadelphia. I just happened to be able to follow it cuz like I know the areas. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, when I got into Masons, right? They were going to make me a senator. And they were going to put like a million dollars in my bank account. But like I decided that I would rather be a poor adjunct professor oh, yeah. run a podcast for like nothing because, you know, the yeah, movie plot true. has to move along somehow. Just like the movie Skull and Bones, Kid on a Skull and Bones, yeah. to make completely unrealistic, irrational decisions. 
they're the best when ones. It, when <laughs> it comes to my financial wealth. I was just thinking, it's a dead poet Power. society, a valid. It's not that was just a television. Movie. Yeah, yeah, see, I thought it was real. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That was actually filmed in Delaware, though. Was it? Yeah. I forget the school's name, but it was in Delaware. Anything you know, the Shriners are kind of yeah. in higher order of Masons. Yeah. They're an affiliate of the I think they're richer. Yeah. They were the fuzzy fez, hats. The fez. The fez, yeah. fez. Oh, like the Grand Poobah from Fred yeah. Flintstone. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The water buffaloes. Oh, Brittany's like, what the hell is the Flintstones? I know what the Flintstones are. Brittany's too young to know so. the Flintstones. I know what the Flintstones are. It was on Boomerang on Cartoon Network. Uh, the Water Buffalo Lodge, yeah. Yes. A lot of people just join the Masons and they go through the Blue Lodge. That's kind of like just the entry level stuff, which is the Entered Apprentice, Fellow Craft, and Master Mason. But once you get out of that, then you join either the York or Scottish Rite. And Scottish Rite, that's some of the conspiracy theories come from there was a guy in i forget his name but it was a fucking guy in france for like 10 or 12 years he pulled this shit off and the church was talking a whole bunch of shit on the masons you know they were fucking if you join the masons you're excommunicated and all this and there was this guy that came out of the woodwork in france and he was like yeah and he rolled with like everything that the church was saying he was like it's all true <laughs> they're worshiping satan there's an inner circle most masons don't know you got to reach the 33rd level of scottish right and then you get and then there's women because it's supposed to be a fraternity then there's women and there's high priestesses and they teach you magic and you could like levitate tables and shit and they take orders from the devil and the devil he lives in south carolina <laughs> and then like 10 years later he came out and he was like yeah now it's full yeah. of shit and you guys were totally <laughs> buying into it and the church felt all stupid because they were like oh fuck man we totally did like let you give talks and shit and we co-sponsored you <laughs> but people think of that still people still think of like satan and magic where it comes to it because it was popular and the church was saying it and there was this French guy that was saying it too as a joke not mm -hmm. as a joke but sort of as a yeah. joke so Benjamin Franklin over in London it's there during the time where the Hellfire Club is being formed and I think that this is going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily have to do with Franklin because he didn't found the organization of the Hellfire Club but this is a rich boys club founded by Sir Francis Dashwood who Franklin becomes good friends with he knows his wife stays at his guest cottage on his grounds but Sir Francis Dashwood comes from a a family of really wealthy merchants so he's not like noble his parents really made a fortune and he's a fucking rich spoiled motherfucker I mean I don't know if I envy him because if I had his money this would be heaven on earth but at the same time if Vladimir Lenin were to have lived at the same time he'd have been like this motherfucker needs to die and be hanged for this ostentatious fucking vulgar display of wealth that he's got so Francis Dashwood he, it's very in vogue at the time to mock Christianity if you are a philosopher one of the enlightened philosophers a lot of them are atheists and they poke fun at it and they do all this shit that like we might see as silly today you're gonna listen to podcasts and you're gonna watch YouTube videos and there's gonna be motherfuckers that go ape shit crazy with conspiracy bullshit and that's what it is it's fucking bullshit but these were rich guys that got together would share these bonded crazy fucking experiences that they did in secret but in addition to just being able to let loose because these are rich powerful people that aren't able to just go down the street to the brothel. It'd be like if Charlie Sheen went to the brothel, which he probably would, but it would be like if Brad Pitt wanted to go to the brothel. He can't fucking go to the brothel, but if you go to Sir Francis Dashwood's estate, you can do any crazy fucking shit you want and what happens underground stays underground, as far as they say. So, But we'll give you a whole description of the Hellfire Caves, the Hellfire Club, 
grows out of this like literary drinking and dining club at the bar and it grows a little bigger he leases an old abbey in Mettenham they restore it he builds a big watchtower on it it fits like eight people up top and then he does his gardens really cool but he's all about sex and he's all about mock Christianity so he's also all about secret society shit important people are coming artists are coming people that are famous are coming Franklin is coming and you get to have camaraderie with the boys. Women are invited too, and they're part of the outer circle as well. They have high-end prostitutes come. They also have, it's kind of like Eyes Wide Shut, the movie with Tom Cruise, where important ladies, like lady ladies, are invited in and some come and it's anonymous. You know, you can put a mask on. They're encouraged to be naked. They don't have to be and have some sex. And it's weird because there's this orgiastic aspect to it, but it's not everybody fucking each other. You pick one person for the evening. The orgiastic kind of aspect of it is that you'll freely be naked, drink, and have sex in front of other people. And that's okay. But you got shamed or shunned, they said, if you try to hit on somebody else's date. But you paired up. There was a boy, there was a girl. And Francis Dashwood, I want to be clear, he's bisexual. They don't make a big deal out of that. But like at the end, Paul Whitehead gives him his heart. You do that when your heart belongs to somebody. Like Mary Shelley keeps her husband's <laughs> heart in her desk drawer. She probably should have kept his dick in a desk drawer so she would have known where it was, like, you know, through life. But <laughs> Francis Dashwood built an entire mausoleum around the fact that he had just the heart of Paul Whitehead. But what he does is essentially it's small in the bar. It moves into the abbey. They restore it. He does the gardens so that you can see basically a woman. Like, you have to be up in the bell tower to look down on the gardens to appreciate what he's done with it. He makes a naked lady is what he makes. And you have to look down at it from the bell tower so the red roses are her lips you know red and then he's got like fountains <laughs> two fountains so she's like spurting milk out of her nipples and then there's a hidden area of bushes you know where i'm going with no this. pun intended and he's <laughs> got another fountain they all know where they're going, Joe. there which simulates urination but you have to look at it from up top and they would go like in the morning up top and it would fit like eight people and they could hang around and drink hellfire punch brimstone he called it because he made this special drink i don't even think it probably tasted that good maybe it did i don't know but it was just brandy with sulfur in it i don't know i'll just have my brandy without sulfur yeah. in it but it was the hellfire yeah, club. i think i would too yeah he had to have some catchy fucking drink is names, it still you know? there it exists today his nephew are still around you can go and visit them there are tours and you can apparently rent them for party there's a phoenix club it died out and then his nephew started a phoenix club that's less scandalous and it survives today as like a drinking club a dining club i should say over in britain today it's called the phoenix yeah. club but then he has these hellfire caves dug this is the part that fucking like makes me sick like with the fucking with just the vulgar display of wealth just knowing what i know about having taught and researched parliament parliamentarians would do a lot of capital improvements around england and it would serve the people well but it would also serve themselves more personally too and this is what he does so i taxpayer dollars i am quite sorry i haven't read this with my own two eyes but just knowing what i know about parliamentarians in that time in england fucking taxpayer dollars paid for this shit i am fucking certain well dashwood the house of lords and parliament 17 what was it 50s or 60s i saw like 1749 yeah 1740 yeah. 1760s and, and it went on for You're about 10 enough. years yeah yeah a year or so roundabout yeah yeah well i tell my students you just have to know the chronology <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold them to dates. He has these caves dug under the abbey. And so he employs local people. He makes them take 
oaths of secrecy before they can go to work for him. He pays them a lot of money, but before they can get to work, they take oaths that they'll be silent about shit. But they appreciate it because, like, he's giving them jobs. Okay, he's giving them jobs for some shit that's going to fucking benefit him alone, basically. Well, I mean, they get jobs out of it, but they have to fucking work pretty hard, right? To give him a playground for drinking and fucking, essentially, is what it is. So he it's makes the king. <laughs> these caves under the ground, <laughs> and they go a quarter mile in, and they go 300 foot down, and it's chalk and flint mines. But you could have just dug that shit the fuck out of the side of the hill. He wants caves. He mm-hmm. wants place that he can go hang Wasn't out. Wasn't there a cave originally underneath? I saw a drawing of that. I feel like that'd be logical. The caverns are pretty massive. There's a bunch of different rooms, and they say you can get lost in it. I would guess that you're not going to probably die if you got lost. You would probably eventually figure out where you were. It's not like the Paris Underground. It's only a quarter mile, as opposed to like miles and miles of caves. But he digs these chalk mines down there, and they build a road, a couple-mile road with it. So... As far as the people around him are concerned, like he's doing a public works project, paving shit so that we can get around. So that's a good thing. And then he's giving us jobs. That's a good thing. But taxpayer dollars are building him hellfire fucking caves, which is if I was him, I would have done it too. Of course, <laughs> I if, I, if I could have done it, you know, just as a person that's like, oh, fucking taxpayer dollars being wasted on his drinking and debauchery. But he did put money back into the system, I mean, you know. I, think, I won't say the same thing, but the principle still applies today. They politicians still use money for their own friends, maybe not for their own direct benefit, but for their own friends. Cronyism. They help funnel the money towards the businesses that they... So we know Benjamin Franklin was a guest at at least one of these Hellfire parties. However, many times he visited beyond that, we're not sure of. He stayed on the estate, though, in the guest house. So I'm thinking he was hanging out. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what they called him? Jammin' Frank. Ben Jammin' Frank Franklin. And they said, Jammin' his Frank where it didn't belong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I did not see that, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) I got this from a student paper years ago because I assigned my students like crazy fucking shit to find or I encourage them at least anyway one of my this is from a student paper when my research doing this I did not find this but a student paper that I got like a few years ago on this said that Franklin signed for a wine delivery as Sir Cockham I can neither confirm nor deny that because students make shit up sometimes but that it came from a student it was a good story it's a good fucking story maybe it happened we can only assume that Ben was not a part of it but went to meetings can't tell for sure because as wasn't mentioned before that there's no like concrete records of who belonged it was like a secret organization they had some records records. and Paul Whitehead before he died like a few days before he died burned whatever records that they did have yeah so it's even hard to tell who were strong members because all we have today are just a couple letters linking these people interacting together so you can make assumptions but there's no hard primary source saying all right here are your members here's how many times they visited here's exactly what's going on that's all this is what they did this is what they didn't do there's no that's all hypothesis some of the crazy stories too like they would put stories out. It's a secret organization and they're doing fun things. And there some people are in parliament. They would get to know each other and then help each other. And then years later, help each other. And it went on for about 10 years. And Dashwood actually got out when he became the exchequer, yeah. like the treasurer of the empire. And he raised taxes on cider, which was like the wrong thing to do because everybody in England drinks cider. And everybody was like, you motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> let's look into how shitty you are now. And then he was like, oh, fuck, I gotta stop doing this. <laughs> he actually tried to get some good PR 
out for himself and he rebuilt like an actual church steeple like some like a mile away from his house or something like that he was like i'll do something good maybe they'll stop fucking with me <laughs> and then he just he quit so he was actually oh sir francis dash he wouldn't have been called lord francis dash his best friend was john montesquieu he was the lord of montague. sandwich yes. montague thank oh, you earl of sandwich earl of sandwich and yes that is where they get the name sandwich from nope. yeah. from him tell us how tell us why he liked well they would dine i guess when they were eating they would have like bread and meat and he wanted the story goes that he wanted it all made together but he didn't want to i forget what the background for it was he was gambling was it gambling yeah all right so he was the one that came up with the idea of putting the meat between the two bread slices because it was easier to eat less sloppy less sloppy so that's where he apparently didn't have fucking forks <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. So he'd have his hands free to gamble and wouldn't get all over. He's gambling. Get on the cards. So that's where they get the story of the sandwich from. And it wasn't the meeting place, the Hellfire. That wasn't the, actually the first Hellfire Club. No. There was one in 1729. Oh, uh, the Dublin one. The one with Wharton. He was the one in oh, England, right, the first right. one to found a club. There were about three famous branches. Yeah, but I think that was the initial first one. And Duke of yeah, Wharton, I wonder if that comes from one. the Wharton School. I wondered when I was doing the research. At my school. <laughs> but it was only in existence for alum. like three years because the government came along and put a law, like you were mentioning with 1799, put a law against certain secret, secret societies. societies and they had to do away with it. If I could be a fly on the wall, if I could go back in history, like if I had a fucking time machine, this is one of the places I oh, would like I would to go. Love, oh, yeah. Love to. to go to the Hellfire fucking caves That'd and just, awesome. like, just strip naked and put a mask on so nobody knows who I am. They would think I was Ben Franklin, maybe. <laughs> I don't think My hair's would. getting kind of long. You know, <laughs> no, I, I did read that Ben You don't really Franklin. look like Ben Franklin. I have more the body type. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> I have an American accent. <laughs> he probably Franklin. had, actually, yeah. he probably had more of a British accent I was say, he probably sounded, than, than we do. Yeah, more because English they than you. did back then. His letters had like gray eyes. You have brown. I wonder if he had a Boston accent. I would have case. a demon mask on. <laughs> What were you saying, Tony? I was saying, I did read today that Ben Franklin's letters made allusion to underground caves. Mm. So if there's actually a letter or letters, a little bit more proof, then I'll have to research that more. And these underground caves, they made it to look like a church. And what they did was they put like walls in there and paintings and shit like that. And they had different rooms. Like you had a chapel in there. You had a library, like an actual library, but it was like a pornography library, basically. <laughs> they would print like porn. They had a wine cellar. They had stained glass down there all of this they took out but it had a natural stained glass stream underground underground they stained <laughs> glass stupid. so yeah. it would appear as though you were in an actual chapel they would all line up they would meet every wednesday and saturday but they would also meet for like pajama parties in the beginning and end of the season Sounds like the playboy mansion it is totally like the playboy yeah. mansion right that's a good analogy they didn't do it in the winter time because it was in a fucking caves so it was cold but you got to figure no air conditioning right in the summertime when it's fucking hot you go down around Run around and naked, air shrinkage. <laughs> but it's nice and cool in the summer. Cold showers. Yeah, it is. The water was cold. <laughs> cold. For All Seinfeld. Right. So when they go in the Hellfire Club, people would stay at each other's houses for lengths of time. For example, when Madison visited Jefferson down at Monticello, he and his wife would stay for a month. The same way with Dashwood. People would stay there for a month. Franklin would stay there for a month. But when they came to begin and end of the season in like spring and toward the fall, they would stay and have a little pajama party for like 
like the whole week and they would have a week of activities. People would serve you down there. They'd have different kind of foods. They'd have the devil's loins, which was just roast beef, but they cut it to look like somebody's butt. And they had- Holy ghost pies. Ah, yeah, yeah. Which was pigeon, basically. (laughs) So we're assuming Ben's really there enjoying all of this. We are assuming this. And they had different cocktails with crazy sex names and things like that. But what they would do before they got in there, they would mock Christianity. They weren't worshiping the fucking devil, but they would put out this disinformation like they were. Actually, the Hellfire guys, at least early on, they would put out disinformation. So people would be like, oh, what the fuck are they doing? Those motherfuckers. And it would give it more of a mystique and Mm -hmm. people would be like, what are they doing? Because we don't know because we're not there. And they'd be like, nah, 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 nah. We're worshiping (laughs) the devil. But they would meet at night in the woods, dressed in white linen gowns as though they were like pure fucking abbots. And then they would go with either like candlelight or torchlight, two by two, all 12, because there were 12 original members in the original inner circle. There could only be 12, but there were a whole bunch of people in the outer circle. And they would go march and they would like fucking chant little Latin, little Latin silly fucking shit, basically. And then they would meet at the mouth of the cave where they took the, ah, I forget who the original guy to do it was, but do as thou wilt. They had over the entranceway to the abbey, which is what Alistair Crowley copies from Sir Francis Dashwood. Then they would go down into the caverns and it would like mock Christian ritual. They would then get down in there and they would have had all of these courtesans brought in in sealed carriages, like the high-end prostitutes that the richest people that there were would get and they would dress them. They would be dressed as nuns and greet them. But then, you know, then they would hike up their skirts and put on fucking stage shows. They were the fun nuns. (laughs) And you would pick only one person to actually have sex with, but everybody would just be free and doing it themselves. You got to figure like aristocratic women were married off. Motherfuckers like twice their age that they didn't like and they were cheating on them. So they were encouraged to come down and have fun. Nobody knows who you are. Put a mask on, but like it's a safe environment. You're with Dashwood and Dashwood would bring his stepmom down like he would his stepmom and his half-sister and i all right we don't know like he would make it a big deal like they were his partner for the orgy but i I don't know that he was having sex with them but like that's what he would make a big deal of advertising that his partner was his stepmom mary or his half-sister but they wanted to shock people with things so this might have been shock value too but it had come a long way since the georgian vulture tavern where it was four thank you for listening to of our seven-part Benjamin Franklin Audiobiography, where we will flesh out everything badass and cool about Philadelphia's favorite son, lightning, ladies, bastards, bones, mistresses, spies, love letters, war, peace, and ending in the hell fire caves. GrimPhilly.com for the best, highest-ranked history tours in Philadelphia. History tours every morning, ghost tours every night, and dark history and true crime tours, too. For supporting this podcast on Patreon, we cannot thank you enough for helping us to keep bringing this free content to you. Patreon.com backslash GrimPhilly. Could not do this without you. Thank you so, so much. Scandal in the Hellfire Caves creates a rift between the Hellfire members in the Houses of Parliament as we conclude our four hour of the life and times of Philadelphia's founding father, Benjamin Franklin. Our story concludes with what has become of the Franklin home in Philadelphia following the founder's death, his last will and testament, his Philadelphia and 
London families, finally, Franklin's Philadelphia funeral legacy epitaph penned in his own hand that sits at his gravesite today.